Welcome to the Punters Preamble. I'm Simon Zanopoulos. I'll be joined by Adam Blanco. Massive, massive weekend of racing with the Cox Plate on Saturday. Great time of year to be racing the Everest last weekend. It begs the question, what is Australia's best race, Adam? The Ladbrokes Cox Plate is Australia's best race. It's the connoisseur's choice. But more importantly, it's the numbers choice. Farlap 1-2, Kingston Town 1-3 and Winx 1-4. Australia's best horses had their best moments in Australia's best race, the Ladbrokes Cox Plate. Obviously, people have plenty of memories in regards to the Cox Plate. What would you define as the greatest rivalry in the race? Sunline, the mayor of the world. New Zealand takes the Cox Plate with Sunline. And Northerly, the fighting tiger. Northerly, the outside going to Sunline. They got very tight, but Northerly wins the Cox Plate. Both won two Cox Plates, and you had to pick a side. But the numbers can't split them. 129 apiece, a dead heat. I hear it all the time. A lot of people like to tell me the valley's got a short straight. The valley straight measures only 173 metres, but that's misleading. It's actually 800 metres long. There's just a bend in it. As Shane Dye famously said, you can't be too wide at the last corner of the valley. There's nowhere to hide. It's been a hell of a race over the years. Who is the highest rated? Breaker rating of 130 and you're a champion. In the modern era, in the Cox Plate, six winners have had a career best rating higher than 130. That's more than any other race on the Australian calendar. 137. That's how racing and sports ratings describe Kingston Town's 1980 Cox Plate win. The best of his three wins in the race. Thanks, Antane, for providing that audio. I don't even know why I bothered coming in. (laughs) For those that had no idea what that was, uh, that was Adam's preview of the Cox Plate with Entain. If you haven't seen it, check it out on Twitter. He was panicking in the lead up to it being released. He was worried given how many turns they made him do, but it turned out a treat, mate. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> Edit. Straight onto the Cox Plate. Mm. Top rated. Is it Animo this weekend? He is the highest rated horse anywhere in the world this weekend. The Cox Plate favourite and right favourite, Animo. And I think you would agree with me that he is the right favourite. Mm. The simple choice. He's a simple choice and El Bodegon is the simple trendy alternative. He is very trendy, mm. El Bodegon. And I loosely get it. Yep. And in fact, I was very tempted to be part of it. But I've, um, I've seen the light. You've seen the light? I think so. For those that aren't familiar with his form, can you paint a picture for us? I can certainly try. So I have the same rating on him as State of Rest brought to the race last year. Instant positive. Instant positive. Instant positive. And to be honest, the positives keep coming in because State of Rest ran to 118 winning at Saratoga, but he'd, he'd been pretty – he'd shown hints, but he'd been pretty scrappy before that. And I was fairly dismissive, I, I must admit, of State of Rest so last was I, year. Yeah, yeah he, he had that – you know, he had the, the big rating, not big even. He had a nice rating at Saratoga and you can respect the hell out of his stable, but, you know, I didn't um, I didn't forecast him coming here and running 125. And Adelaide came across rated 119. He was easier to forecast making that jump. Don't you remember when we were at Coolmore? Yeah, that was, yeah, and Coolmore were half expecting him to win by nine lengths. <laughs> so they expected him to make <laughs> they the jump. They expected him to make yeah. the jump. Oh, yeah, what is... Sebastian, well, if he won the Cox Plate by six, we might send him back. Yeah, if he... Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) He won't be winning the Cox Plate by six. He won it by a whisker under an inspired ride. Mm. But he won it, and he did show better form. But he had obviously... I don't know if you remember the pre-Neil of that year. 
very unlucky. Oh, like, he was obviously yeah. unlucky, and he'd always been humming along as a a better than rated horse. So state of rest wasn't quite that obvious. El Bodegon's probably somewhere in the middle. Yep. His French Derby run is it's the run. It's big boy form. So he split the two three-year-olds in Europe who have produced the biggest performances, in my opinion, anyway, this year. And I don't think many people would dispute Vedeni with me. He's the best three-year-old in Europe. Yep. Who beat him in the French Derby. The best Derby in Europe these days, despite what the um, handicappers might think. Modern Games won at Woodbine. Remember, he won our top-rated horse of the week. Yep. A few weeks ago when he won at Woodbine. Unfortunately, he was turned over in a slowly run QE2 on, on Saturday, Modern Games, but he absolutely destroyed, admittedly not a world-class field, but he put world-class margins on a good field at Woodbine. He was third in that French derby and you had horses like, and admittedly not to seen, not seen to full effect, like Ernesto and Al-Hakim behind him. Now, Ernesto rounded him up and beat him in the Grand Prix de Paris, so that probably showed that Ernesto was, as I said, seen to... You know, in an awkward spot in the French Derby, and, and was better than that. But it's all great for like that. All sounds terrific. So there is a there's a very trendy case to be made for him, and I don't necessarily dispute a lot of it. But I do think there's a case of if you're familiar with the horse, you can't help but feel that you want to exploit that knowledge or that information that you think you have that other people don't have. Yeah. So it becomes really compa- like you want to tip this horse because I want to come on here and start name dropping French horses. You know, how clever am I? You want to say you know something. And so now, but obviously that's been done. And so instead of being a lively 14s chance, he's, what, 750 or something? Mm. I, uh, so that 250 to 750 is basically 75, 25 with Animo? Yep. I think Animo is a bit better than that. And I don't think it's, um. you know, it's not flag-waving patriotism to say so. His form around state of rest travels. You know, that's great form. State of rest knocked off Bay Bridge, sadly. <laughs> who's now the British champion winner. And there was great form around him there. There was reasonable form around him when he won the Ghana in France as well. So Animo's form travels, and, and we know Animo is, is really good. I think he's the right favourite. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to say there's any huge edge in backing Animo. But you know, margins were... He's won in heads and necks mm. in the might and power. And I'm sick of coming on here saying, well, hopefully this week we get a strong pace. <laughs> surely. <laughs> surely, right? But I said surely win the Caulfield Cup. Well, I think Zaki inside draw, I like to think ensures that because they can't take a sit in case he gets shuffled too far back. So they're going to have to hunt up with Zaki to either hold the position or lead. I'm sure if you backed him, you want to lead. Oh, you! if you've backed Zaki, you want him to. I mean, I, we all said, did we all? Or was it just me saying it and listening to myself? They won't make the same mistake twice in, in the might and power. They'll press alligator blood. They'll press hard. They'll press early. They'll make it a true test. They didn't. No. It was... Less sit and sprinty than Sandown, but not by a lot. It was still falsely run. Yeah. And we saw them all spring off the bridle. Animo. The most notable. The most notable. But Thunderstruck was the same. Quickly came off the bridle and then getting stronger and stronger through as as it sort of developed. This should surely develop differently. But as I said, we've been waiting for that all spring. (laughs) Basically, once you get past a mile in Melbourne, forget about it. We're we're turning this into a sit and sprint and that's that. Which is a great shame. Mm. Great shame. But... It still makes for a, a fascinating tactical battle. So I suppose the point to, to roll back, because I've completely lost where I'm at, but um, El Bodegon, sort of if you try and find like-for-like like horses, the ratings have done a pretty good job. So you look at State of Rest, you look at Adelaide, they're the ones you want to jump at, and they made jumps to, to, to get there. Yep. But then you've also got to consider Armoury, Cape of Good Hope, Rostropovich, Highland Reel, 
who didn't necessarily make jumps. And if you take an average of how much their rating moved from Europe to here as European three-year-olds in a Cox Plate, the average change is half a pound. Okay. So the ratings have actually, even though there's a couple that have jumped, there's a few that have slid. The average says that the ratings get it about right. So 118 is probably a pretty good assessment of him. So he will have to make that jump. And it's a big one. Because this will surely take 125 to win because Animo's breathing fire, right? Has to, yep. And I mean, Thunderstruck, Thunderstruck might even be a bit big. You know who I think is a better trendy alternative if you want a trendy tip? Yep. I might tip this one actually. <laughs> After bagging the trendy tipsters, yeah, this has got a bit of me written all over it. Gold trip. So the Caulfield Cup has won at two and a half times market expectation in the Cox Plate. Really? Admittedly, it's only taken two winners to do it. But the market doesn't like the Caulfield Cup in the Cox Plate. Well, it's handicap form. Mm, but it's, and admittedly, those two winners, Northerly and Maldivian, are They're pretty good. Most people would say were better than Gold Trip, although that might be generous with Maldivian at the time. He wasn't flying. Body of work at the time. Mm, he, I mean, at the time he wasn't fancied and he, he used the Caulfield Cup and didn't they famously put him over some hurdles during the week and they set him alight. And what do you know? He got a, he went to the front mm. and got a soft lead. This might have been going on for longer than I can remember. <laughs> so, well, Jamie Spencer doesn't really strike me as a take the bull by the horns kind of guy, but surely Gold Trip will be there or thereabouts and wanting to make it a test. Backing he, up from a mile and a half stays well. And he ran third in a Grand Prix de Paris, just like El Bodegon. Yeah, but he's not as trendy. He's not as trendy. He's either. not the shiny new toy. Behind Mowgli was three seconds quicker yeah. around Longchamp than El Bodegon. That's all down to pace, but still, interesting. It's a fun fact to lean on. Mm. To sum up the Cox Plate, I think you'll mostly hear that Animo is too short. El Bodegon is the unknown and the trendy alternative. And the rest, I'm not too sure. I don't. And then the real trendy people will come in over the top with a 20 to 1 loser in Gold Trip. <laughs> yeah. But Gold will look clever doing it. We're talking about Animo <laughs> being too short. What price do you think he starts and what price do you think he should be? Two different answers. Uh, what if my answer is the same? I think he'll well, start then. I think he'll start 5 to 4 and I think he should. Okay. So you don't think he's too short at 240, obviously? No, no, I don't think that, I don't think that probably is. I, I must admit, my first glance... It's the only race I've really dug into. And at my first glance, I probably did. Yeah. I think that – and, yeah, you're right. I think most people will do that. They'll yeah. look at it and go, that's too short. Yeah. And he did win, in he- as I said, heads and necks the other day. And I still stand by. I feel like he's being falsely put forward. As a champion. Like he's not um, – as a four-year-old cult who has won three into the Cox Plate, he's following a similar path to So You Think. But he's not So You Think. Ratings will tell you otherwise. Oh, God, no. But I think he is being pushed forward as a bit as a bit more than he is. But having said all that, I just completely flip and go the other way and say, yeah, he's bang on five to four chance. I think that's fair. I can't see the horses that he beat last start turning the tables. I can, but not. I'm more black and white than you, mm. obviously. Because, I, I mean, Thunderstruck was about as good as him. I would find it very hard for someone to come along and tell me that Animo is as if it was really simple and, as you say, black and white. It can't like you. You stand there and you watch him and Thunderstruck go around together there, and you go, "Look, it's obvious," and he will absolutely beat him again. He beat him in a flurry of heads. I mean, come on. He just knows where the line is, though. <laughs> Don't start that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> He's a winner, mate. He's yeah. a winner. I mean, that is it. There is a lot of narrative getting pegged onto him. Yep. That was the. I mean, there was the quote. He scrambled around the corner. No, he didn't. He they accelerated quicker than he was ready for, and he got. Punched in the gob. Why isn't that hinged in a, front? He's just a really good horse who was able to rally after getting one on the chin. Like a prize fighter. 
And he is, he's, that's, he's a really cool horse, Animo. Yeah. Because he does do a lot of things right and he doesn't, um, he's not covered in blinkers and all sorts of kit. He can run from 1200 to 2040 and he can do it on any ground, does it off different paces. Because he showed, that's the other thing, Cox Plate form holds up in Cox Plates, right? Mm. We've seen that over the years. Happy Trail's the king but, of it. But that's because, <laughs> gee, there's a few, <laughs> there's a few horses out at Living Legends that just turn their heads around at that state. <laughs> Fields of Omar and Northerly and Sunline and Wits and Co. are just like, excuse me, mate. Happy Trails is the king of the... <laughs> well, he'd turn up and always run well regardless, wouldn't he, Happy Trails? Yeah. I mean, El Segundo might even be a little bit disgusted at that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly am. Zipping? What a warrior. There's a lot that have done it. None more so than Happy Trails. <laughs> <laughs> they might rename this the Happy Trails. The I way know. I looked at it, just to cement a bit of animo love is that he came off two really average races in Sydney. He sprung off the bridle around Caulfield, still managed to mow him down. This has always been the main target, James Cummings, the king of the RNS power rankings for trainers. Mm, well, he does have that too. And he's in training for this one race. And Charlie Appleby is not here to get out of Animo's way. Yeah. This is it. This has been the whole target all the way through. And I just think they couldn't beat him last start. They're not going to beat him. Go I just on. hate that sentence. Though. I know. It's I know you do. That's why I love shocker. saying it because it's it just gets you so rolled up. Yeah. <laughs> but he's drawn perfectly. J-Mac just lands a 1-1, I'd imagine, or thereabouts. Yeah. There are about nine horses here who at the barrier draw claim that they wanted the 1-1. Yeah. So I I mean, <laughs> and who could blame him? It's where you want to be. But he looks to get the perfect run and he's an obvious favourite and looks hard to beat. Hard to beat. Oh, my God. I know. I've got him all day. Hook, line and sinker. He just makes it too easy now. Edit that out. I'm not editing it out. It's good. <laughs> the Bizarro for this week comes up down your way. Francesco Guardi, I'm in favourite for the Moon Valley Cup. You've thrown this up. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. So when I skimmed the form, he was one that I saw there and thought, wow, that's you're going to be interesting. So he's 16 to 1 and he is just an, an eyes guys tragedy last start, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's not even an eyes guys tragedy. He's a... He's he was very unlucky. He's dead set nearly fallen over and he's at the back of a slowly run race and he stormed home. Yep. <laughs> I feel like a broken record. Surely this won't be so slowly run. <laughs> but you've got the serpent slithering around the valley here. He'll want to make it a test, won't he? Surely. Surely. The old slitherer. I saw, sorry to go sidetracking. Mm. So I'm reading a, an article on RSN actually this week. Matt Stewart is a good hour, to be fair, not a bad, you know, yeah. there's some points in there I made, but he's, you know, there was a line in there about how, you know, we've taken a real knock to our pride or something in very elegant running poorly in France. But who's who's feeling their pride dented? Well, she's not even out. She's a Kiwi. And is a Serpentine not doing exactly the same thing here? He's a Derby winner who can't keep up. Yeah. Anyway, he's the Irish elegant. <laughs> but surely he sets a pace here. I mean, he set a joke pace in that, and Lloyd's not going to tolerate that. No. It was probably, he was only beaten two lengths, but that's because they went so slow you couldn't possibly be beaten further. And so there's Francesco Guardi, and I suppose this has loosely been one of my points of the spring so far, is these ridiculously slowly run races are meaning that the form is unreliable, and I don't want to put too much substance to it. Yeah. So Francesco Guardi is undeniably unlucky in that moment, but that moment is not typical. And this shouldn't be a similar moment. This should be a real race. And was he not perhaps just suited by a farcical race? He kept up in a bad race. 
It's an interesting point you raise. So he goes uh, 16 to 1 to favourite. I see Off that. a joke. But is there a bigger jockey switch <laughs> in the game? I tell you what. I mean, frog off, J-Mac on, that's what, 10 lengths? You'd struggle to find maybe... How many lengths is it? Five? Legitimately. I mean, it is up there with, say, Jackie C off, Glyn on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, quick glance at the form. Francesca Guardi, horribly unlucky, terrible ride. J-Mac now goes on, inside draw. And I've been crying out for this horse to get out to a trip for a mm. long time in Sydney. No, I can see all that. I can understand why the market obviously gravitate. He's an easy one. It's a cheap favourite. Yeah. The unlucky runner, yeah, J-Mac well, goes I think on. That is, I mean, that's a good description. He's a cheap favourite to me. Yeah. So my, I'm instantly like, what are you doing there? So I think the Ma Eustace pair are getting closer. Yep. I think Luna Flair is, she's now into the Melbourne Cup. She won this last year. Flying, won the Bart Cummings, but she's now into the Melbourne Cup. Do they play it cute with her now? So she might be, I might be a little bit iffy about her. Yep. But Persan has been okay and I reckon he's coming to the boil now. Getting ready. Grand Promenade might be a run behind him, but still something similar. Tell me about Sacramento because he seems to be coming down off some, you know, a quick backup and a better, like something more like a true race last week behind Stockman. Yeah, I think that's him though. He's not any better than what he showed last time. Yeah, but I'm wondering if that might be just Still be good enough. Maybe. I mean, he's going to be up there on this speed. Mm. He's another... He's going to be up there chasing the slitherer. (laughs) Sliding around the valley. For those that don't know who Adam's referring to, it is Serpentine. Oh, yeah, the Serpent, sorry. (laughs) And there's Desert Icon as well who should be there. They made a big mistake with Desert Icon last time being cute. But he gets the positive jockey switch. J-Mac off. Preble on. Riding too nicely. Did you get J-Mac. to did you get to the bottom of Desert Icon's fast time at the Valley two back? Fast time against the card. It was a really slow time overall and a fast time against the card. I, that was a as you know, I'm not a track bias guy, but that track was very funky. Yeah. Is that a concern going into tomorrow night, do you think? About it being funky again. Mm. Uh no, I think I mean as a general rule it's not funky, so I mean the base rate is not funky, so it's more likely to be not funky than funky. Yep. I just want to see if we'll have an excuse if I get beat tomorrow night, that's all. It's nice to have one. I hope it's a horrendous bias. <laughs> <laughs> um, another horse is, I mean, if the rain smashes in. Yeah, what's the go with that? I don't know. How much are we expecting? Uh, they ballpark it between zero and 400 mils. That's exactly what you want. <laughs> Cheers, bomb. Nerve, not verve. What Oops. is nerve, not verve? She was, she, I'm back to one night at the Valley and then she came up the day we backed night's order and somehow beat him and then... Probably, well, not even probably, should have won the Warnable Cup. And then she comes should back. Should have won the Warnable Cup. My what, God. What was that? She beats Knight's Order, does that, and then she comes back this prep and goes straight back, reverts to type immediately. She's no good again. Is so it she's d- gone to Cram and got her heavy last start, done nothing. Done nothing, yeah. Well, what was that? She just had a month, two runs in a month where all of a sudden she. Mare in form. I mean, very heavy ground was the, the answer to that. She was so a swamp does she master. All of a sudden, does she all of a sudden become, is she forbidden love styles? Although forbidden love hasn't been able to recapture it. No. Although she did enough to get an invitation. It, it wasn't hard. It'd be interesting to have a look through the swamp form from that carnival. I've got a feeling that none of them got anywhere near it in the next prep. She's Extreme's the only one, I think, that could do it this well, weekend. Well, Order's done it. Gay's just too good. Gay is the best. Although Knight's Order is cheated by going to Melbourne and being the only horse that's willing to be on speed. Mm. Riding that massive advantage that no one wants. <laughs> 
I mean, imagine how good he'd be with a bit of cover. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that does raise the question heading towards the Melbourne Cup. If we're just going to continually get these races that are slowly run, do you just look for horses fresh off a plane? I mean, it does feel like it's a bad setup, Mm. running slowly all the time. It's bad practice, right? Eventually, if you were like, if you're coaching a footy team, eventually you you want to have some practice matches, and you know you want to harden things up a little bit, right? Well, that's why I reckon highway form is, I guess, not funky, but in terms of horses holding form or finding form, the tempos they run highways are so different to what they would race in the country, and so you get a big change of form because horses that aren't used to high pressure get it. Some love it, some hate it, and those coming off slow, fast races uh, often fall in a hole there. So, hence why I just. Ignore the highways because they front up on a Saturday and the jockeys have got their city clocks in their head. Mm. They ride them cities. They ride them to the eight hundred city style, and then on that fast. Yeah, mm, that is a good point and an interesting form point. The Dunno, we're throwing up the Caulfield Guineas form as the Dunno. Three favourites. Three favourites off it. So you got Berkeley Square, who I think was unlucky in the Guineas. There were a few unlucky runners, but it was. If he wasn't unlucky, he certainly ran well. Yeah, you've got Elliptical, who is favourite for the Spring Champion. Certainly ran well, and those of us who took. Double-figure odds think he was unlucky, even if he wasn't. <laughs> and then we've got Golden Mile, Caulfield Guineas winner, favourite for the calendar Presnell in Sydney. What was your takeaway of the form? It was a very bunched finish. Besides not knowing, obviously, given it is a dunno. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's a very good point. I'm not supposed to know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the Caulfield Guineas caused a bit of a handicapping ripple. I, it's sort of... It's a hard race. It is a hard race to assess because a lot of horses finish so close to one another. But the pace wasn't necessarily slow. So we've been able to Ooh, sort of, that's not good. We've been able to sort of excuse this away from other, you know, these staying races where they big finish in a big cluster and you're like, oh, it's just another farcically run race. Well, they weren't necessarily flying home in the in the guineas. Golden Mile, and I know that's your little twitchy point, is that Golden Mile probably stays fifteen hundred and ninety nine meters. Mm. And that might be a, an issue, but even so, even a bad Caulfield Guineas winner, in my experience, handicapping horses, even a bad Caulfield Guineas winner is typically up to winning a Maxi Ken. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, there's nothing that's performed as well as him there. No. Or no. even close. No. Uh, assuming he ran something like his form in the Caulfield Guineas, he's run well in a Golden Rose, he smashed them in a Ming Dynasty. Was this better than the Ming Dynasty? Hard to say. Probably something similar, right? There's a similar level. Communist flag of honour. They're all fr- almost touching a hundred. The Reginald Allen winner almost touching a hundred. Brosnan, I think, was over a hundred as a two-year-old, but not much, and probably not getting better. Is that fair to say? I mean, that's probably unfair for a spring three-year-old to say not getting better. But we're. I think he's a dry tracker. He's not flying. Mm. He's not on. His, he's not on some massive upward trajectory. Basquiat, all promise. Not a lot of punch so far. He should just waltz in over them, and four to five probably is a mm. looks like a good price when he does. But you've got we don't know. You got reservations about taking that price. Yeah, I think I'd rather back a lot more love to beat him. Odds on Golden Mile, yeah, well done. But it's not a position. If it was fourteen hundred, yeah, I'd be happy to take odds on Golden Mile. But if this, it's funny when you get a race with not a lot of speed on paper that all of a sudden you do generate speed because everyone's looking at the same speed map, going, "Hold on a minute, can we get away with it here?" And that being the case, he's drawn 10. It's a bit of a sticky one for Hugh, exactly where he gets to. I feel like he's going to ride him like a Ferrari, so he'll be happy to flop him out. Oh, they think, and perhaps justifiably so, that they're on much the best horse. Yeah, so 
you might be able to pinch one against him when he gets back and I don't think he runs a mile. He won the guineas, but that doesn't really tell me he runs a mile. Put it this way, I don't think we'll see him against good horses over a mile later in his career. He'll be a 12, 1,400-metre horse, I think. But a lot more love. I thought it was a good win last weekend. She was up the inside in the Reginald Allen. She had to sort of check through. They put the blinkers on her for that, and she trialled really well on it, and then she came out and did that. Stables flying. She hits this on the up. Gold mile, she still has to be a fair up to get to him, but if things go wrong and Hugh rides him too cute, she gets a soft run from the inside. She might be off and gone, hopefully. And so what does that make you? So we're done owing all the form. So do you feel, are you backing any of it? Berkeley Square then in the Vars, so he's what, inside two to one, I sh- inside two to one. Yeah. And no, I'm not backing any of it. There's some promising horses there, but not, to be honest, not many. Yeah. It's funny because... It's not a good calendar for the Vars. Both Golden Mile and Berkeley Square can win, and everyone's saying how good's this Guineas form, but they've fallen off a cliff in terms of the horses they have they to They won't beat. have to run to... The what? ratings that you would expect from a guinea's first and fourth. Yeah. In regards to elliptical being favoured for the spring champion, I don't think he deserves to be. I thought you couldn't have much between him and Promino and Sharp and Smart. I've got Williamsburg slightly inside those. And she's extreme should be favourite. Well, here I can get behind you. I'm not – I'm actually I, – I like elliptical as a horse. I think he's really talented. Yep. And I think he's more talented than – than that gloaming form, yeah, that's pretty. I think that's pretty ordinary form. That's my, per, that's my hot take. That's fair. Promito did a great job last week, and good on him. But I'm just drawn to Glynn. Yeah, on she's extreme. She's coming through the good races. Yeah, and I think there has been I, because the two turn three year olds have have probably been seen at a disadvantage by basically not having any practice at two. She's extremes a Example of one that did get a lot of practice at two, but we've seen probably there's still plenty of good three year olds out there, and more will keep emerging probably out of nowhere because they just haven't had the the chances that they otherwise would have gotten on be, you know in better weather basically either because weather can stop them from you know hold them back from training as well yeah, as actually everything. going to the races. It's not just that trainers are sitting on their hands; they've, it's track work yeah, as well. They've been they haven't had a chance to to practice or strengthen or, or any of that sort of stuff. Get a bit of spring sunshine on their back. They talk about that. Yeah. I don't know much about it myself, but I get to see the effects of it. And we we can see the effect of it in this crop. But the, there has been, I reckon, a really big difference between the good and the bad races. And the Golden Rose and the Flight have rated right up to scratch because they managed to pull together the right set of horses at the right time. Yep. Um, probably as you rolled through, we just haven't had the depth. But I think the, the good horses are still good. I think they're probably a perfectly good crop. Well, Giga Kick is now flying. Yeah, of course. Like I didn't even think of him, but yeah. He's also... I, I mean, I'm still on the say, floor that he was. I was going to say, you could say he came out of nowhere, right? Mm. Certainly, I mean, to win an Everest, he came out of nowhere. Big time. Yeah. I think if you backed him and you only got 20s, you got unders. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. But the the Golden Rose and the Flight have measured up to historical standards. They've been everything you would expect them to be. Yeah. Well, I remember you saying how high has he got you rated in terms of past winners of the race. and well, She rated as good as all the good winners. I know. Yeah. I balked at it a bit, I'll be honest. I was like, how can you have her alongside streamer, first seal, you know, it doesn't really make sense, but then the form out of it. So, Madame Pomery's come out and won the thousand guineas. Renaissance woman, given a sore back, still won in Melbourne last weekend. That's the angle when you're pricing this race that you can't ignore. So, she's extremist beat her by five in the flight, and it was $5 versus 60 to one. 
and now it's six fifty ten dollars you can't really update your view of renaissance woman without taking she's extreme with you and if that's the case you've got to mark she's extreme favorite elliptical prometo don't, don't tell me what to do okay <laughs> I won't. i'll do what i want you can do what you want but i loosely agree with what you're saying yeah. And I think Williamsburg, I know you don't rate the form, but Warwick Farm staying at a mile is never going to suit him. He finally gets beyond it. Oh, I mean, Williamsburg. Is, does McAvoy, is he leading the Pendrith? Yeah, he's oh, close. We're about to, oh, we're going to do a – hang on, sorry. I'll hold that back. Stand by. He will be. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that was a terrible ride on Williamsburg and he was the best horse there. Best but horse I still there. Think he's a, I think he's a peg below what this should be. This should, I mean, spring champions have typically last dozen years or so you've needed to run about 115 to win it. Yep. Um, no one's really in that ballpark. The top two are, are close. I think, it'll, I think it'll just about come up to scratch. But She's Extreme can absolutely run that number. Yeah. And I think she's, she's run well now in two good races to get herself ready for it. So I agree with you. I think she should be favourite. I think she. I mean, she's a she's a really good horse, isn't she? And I don't think we're saying a lot of that wet track form hasn't worked out. I think uh, quite a bit of it has, and the Golden Slipper is is one of them, and she was terrific there without any luck. I mean, I know she got beaten a long way, but she had no luck, and then I think the next two runs said, yeah, no, she was she was on not as good as Fireburn, but on her coattails. And she's probably better than her now because things have gone pair for Fireburn. Bit unfair, she got hurt, but. Mm. Yeah, I think if she's been set for this all the way through, fourth up, 2,000, and we're going to see a peak performance, the boys are going to have to be quite good and a lot better than what they've been to beat her. But I I think Williamsburg, for me, come back to him. I think he's been crying out for it. If the rain comes and we get the swamp, he is king of the swamp. And finally, well, he was finally too. draws a gate. How far off she's extreme was Williamsburg in the champagne? A fair way. He actually jumped with them in the gloaming and then got necked. So I'm hoping he actually can take oh, up a position. Terrible tactics and ride. Yeah, no doubt about that. So they will be my two in the spring champion. I can answer that question for you now. About 14 pounds he's got to find on She's Extreme. There you go. Warming to that idea. Glenn, back. I mean, it didn't happen for the human carabiner last week. Did ingratiating run last? Ah, uh, We don't have to talk about that. Yeah, he didn't run his race. But um, that's not Glenn's fault. That was ingratiating's fault. Did not show up. So, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the human carabiner. I knew someone would take down Nature Strip. I just thought it would be Glenn. <laughs> but back to his rightful place this week, winning a Group 1. Of the three, who would you say is more? I mean, Golden Mile probably is the obvious. He no, won I the mean, Golden Mile is. The market will tell you that, and Golden Mile is the most likely of those to win because there's just not a lot of opposition. Mm. Same point I'm making before about how the three-year-olds have there's been a big gap between the good and bad races. That's might be a walkover. Well, the Coolmore, once again, will probably be one of the races of the spring if we get Giga Kick, Jackano and In Secret all lined up there at Flemington. Yeah, and other and depth. So Buono well, Notches has got to think he's a chance. <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll front up thinking they're a chance. Can we get a jockey change, please? <laughs> might find a couple, boys. Your best in Melbourne? Uh, for the write-up, I defaulted to Animo, which is a pretty soft way out, isn't it? I did it with Nature Strip last week. How'd that go? Yeah, good. <laughs> I do think if there is a simple little mistake in there, it might be Gold Trip in the market. Low percentage, but... How did he get beat? Oh, man. <laughs> um, How would you a genius of the 200? Yeah, I'd passed out by then. <laughs> <laughs> passed out again when I came to and they told me. 
I think I'm leaning the way of at, at those. I saw the early prices there and the the SP ratio between Paul Laley and Rothfire looks about right. So I can't. I'm not going to mathematically split them, but I'm sort of leaning towards having something on Rothfire in the Manicato. Just ran a bad one. Well, I don't think he did run a bad one, did he? I think he wanted 1,200. I think 1,000 metres again was, was probably too much. And the, another one of these inconclusive bits of form that we've seen so much of this spring. It's hard work for us form guys. It's not easy. Um, the Valley was had demons that night. And we saw Paul Ailey offer, I think, a similar sort of run really with mm. the, the demons against yeah. and 1,000 metres against. Turn around and win really well in yeah. Scalacci. And I love the way he did it. One across the chops and keep yeah. on running. How That's, good. You know, you're a good little horse. And he certainly is, but if he's better than Rothfire, it's not by much. Okay. So I would be leaning to having something on Rothfire for power ranking trainer two, Robert Heathcote. Can he hold the spot? Well, this is, I mean, there's a lot of big name trainers there on Friday night in the Manicato, and that means more chips on the table in the power rankings model. So he puts his number two place on the line, Mr. Heathcote. Took an optimistic place to have Robert Heathcote, but his group results have been fantastic. All because of Startantes and Rothfire, to be fair, but... Results don't he lie. keeps turning up to the races. And the model doesn't give you a head start just for winning once or twice. I mean, he's had to turn up with Rothfire and run well over and over and over again and start on taste to, to some extent as well. I think she ran last last week, but very clever because I know that he would be paying plenty of attention to the power rankings. Heathcote saw, you know, could have a bad run up coming here, put a nod in a group race. Too smart. So it doesn't get picked up by the model. <laughs> very, very Very clever. clever. Your best in Sydney? Well, I'm surprised we haven't talked about it yet, the invitation. If you couldn't tell, I am keen on Williamsburg in the spring champion, though it's, it's a deep race this year. It's come up a lot deeper than I thought it would. But I reckon I found one. Did I not just dent your confidence in that a bit by reminding you of the champagne? <laughs> a little bit. But I reckon I found one in the invitation, the Chris Waller-trained Espiona. So those that have backed her in two runs back will say, Dinopolis, you're an idiot. But this is it. She's finally ready. Third up. Big pointer for me, returning to Ramwick. So she had three starts at Rose Hill for nothing. Gets back to the scene of the crime where she ran really impressively prior to a break. And the gap between runs is another thing. So four weeks going into Saturday, when we've seen her off similar preps, that's when she's ran her biggest peak performances. Her two peaks have come off good gaps between runs, 21 and 35. So she's in between that on the weekend. She lands midfield from the draw. On best form, we've got nothing between her and Ice Bath. And I still like to think, given she's only had eight starts, there's more to come. Whereas Ice Bath, surely that's the end of her. She's a nice mare, but she's not getting any better. And if Espiona is on an upward spiral, which her last start section will suggest, a new peak is incoming. And if that's the case, I think she'll be very hard to beat. High horse that has lost her hype. Yep, perfect. High horse has lost her hype, and I don't think she's actually lost that much on the track. Well, you could say the same about last week's Highest rated horse, because we'll quickly do the roundup because we Ooh, missed yeah. the podcast on Monday. High horse Bay Bridge ran to 126, winning the Brigadier Gerard at the start of the year. I think we did several podcasts waxing lyrical about him. He didn't do the business for us. No. <laughs> and then he fronted up and ripped down Baid with the performance of the week in the champion stakes and handed Baid the flop of the week in the process. Yeah, marginally from Nature Strip. Two best horses on the planet both that got dusted. Flight line did not lose. Ah, true. Mm. The but Dirt Monster. Two best turf horses on the planet got dusted. And I've got Bayed 13 pounds off his best and Nature Strip 11. So Bayed gets it by two pounds. Flop of the week. Just quickly on the Everest. Did they go too fast? 
Did he have an excuse, Nature Strip? Um, oh, is is it really an excuse to say that you know they went too fast for me? Yeah, that's not an excuse. No, you've got to be. You know, you're the you want to strut around being the big boy, and he is. Yeah, I mean, you can lose. That's fine. He said, oh, I mean, does it know he didn't run to his best? Okay, sometimes that happens. They did go a little bit too fast, yeah. And actually, we can roll that straight on to the Colin Morikawa winner, which probably says something about the pace in that race, and that is Damien Lane on Jackano. Got it perfect. Perfect. And we can tie that in with someone who didn't get it spot on. Now, I don't know. This might be completely unfair because I haven't actually read the stewards report or anything like that. Oh, you have? Ah, good. So, Zarek is the Pendrith winner. Yep. Mr. McAvoy, who's, I think, very close to the top of the Morikawa list. He is leading the Morikawa. The Morikawa champion at, the, at this stage. And now one off the top of the Pendrith table. Wow. It's rocks or diamonds with old man McAvoy. Oh, rocks and diamonds McAvoy. So quick illustration. If you look at, and this is this will give you a nice idea of what it is, what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> so McAvoy on Zyrek, his average speed for the entire race is 56.4 kilometres per hour. His average speed for the last 600 is 51.4 kilometres per hour. So there's a five-kilometre difference between his speed in that discrete portion and his speed for the entire race. Jackano D-Lane is less than a kilometre difference. He's wow. gone 61.56 and then 62.28. Now, you have to make some adjustments because they start standing still. Yep. And then there's some sort of, not a lot, admittedly, in Australian racing, but something for the topography and where the turns are and blah, blah, blah. And you can do that just by looking at where good times are run. Um, and it, when you do that, you basically find that what Damien Lane did and that change of speed is the most efficient way around. So that's why he gets a big tip of the hat, not of approval, and a Morikawa nomination. Well, not even a nomination, an he award. He wins one. And Karen does not. But Zarek just bolted on him, right? You've read the stewards. Read the stewards. Said he wanted to hunt up outside the lead and then he wouldn't settle, so he let him slide. And I don't he, hate that. And then he never came back. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> Actually, wait a minute. Yes, he did. Quickly. <laughs> Just on D-Lane, do you reckon he'd make it in Sydney? Oh, well, he couldn't win this one, could he? <laughs> Even his best work couldn't win. <laughs> Neil Evans, justified. He'll never make it. That's why he has to shuttle off to Japan again this summer. Poor He's just bloke. not up to it here. Not up to it. Rumours Hugh Bowman's heading to Hong Kong. That'd be very interesting if he heads over there. We will watch that closely. Watch this space. Watch this space because I think Hugh obviously can't ride light and I think he's going to face the same struggles Nash did because Zach Purton's going to get the pick of the top weight rides, no doubt about it. Huey's obviously a jet. So it will be very intriguing to see oh, how he goes. Old money bag Zach. Mm. He's, he, he threw out a bit of bait and he got one. There's more to life, Zach. He got one. <laughs> I don't think J-Mac's miserable, mate. No, he's, I think he's doing all right in his house in Fort Clues. He'll yeah. be fine. I don't think he minds having that mortgage. How's your boxing Kowloon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wraps us up. We'll be back. We will be back with the review show on Monday. Apologies again that we weren't able to put that out. But for You can probably tell from our husky tones that there's been some illness. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we're, the RNS office certainly isn't airborne at the moment. Struggling. Cheers, guys. <laughs>